you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey, hey, Oliver Banks here, and welcome to episode 58 of the Retail Transformation Show. This time, we're continuing the conversation that we started last time with Steph Tranter. Steph is a coach that helps people to build their self-confidence, build their self-belief, and overcome many of the mindset challenges that we as busy executives can face in the modern day business world. And actually, everyday life as well, let's be honest. So if you've listened to episode 57, then you'll remember that Steph and I were talking about understanding more about what's going on in your brain and how that can change your behavior and your actions when you come under pressure or when you come under stress. And actually, it was a really key point. We don't feel stress what we actually feel is a whole host of other emotions, but we don't know how to label them. We don't know how to name them. So we just bundle them all together in the big bucket called stress. But what that can do is it can be very dangerous because we're not paying proper attention to how we're feeling and thus we can't take the right action to overcome that. So if you've not listened to episode 57, then I really do encourage you to go back and take a listen in your favorite podcast player or tune in over at obandco.uk slash 57. So you may remember that at the end of the last episode, Steph gave us five steps to help build your emotional resilience. And that's what we're diving into in today's episode. So just as a quick reminder before we get going, the five steps were, step one, be aware of your thoughts and your feelings. Step two, diffuse, don't deny uncomfortable emotions. Step three, challenge and change what you focus on. Step four, manage your energy, not just your time. And step five, build and develop a support network. A support network that is aimed specifically at resilience, at managing stress, not just a bunch of chums that you can have a beer or a coffee with, right? And actually today, Steph is being super kind because as you'll hear, she's got a little extra gift for you, a download to help you be more resilient. So if you want to get your hands on that download, it's totally free, then you must remember to listen through to the end of the episode and I will tell you exactly how you can get it. It's very easy. But before we dive into that, Let's rejoin the conversation with Steph as we're going to explore and explode those five steps to help build your emotional resilience. Enjoy. Here we go. Let's dive into number one about being aware of your thoughts and emotions. Yeah. So just, uh, I guess, very, again, very simply, there's much more we could say about this than we've got in the time. Yeah, I'm sure we could dive into this. Hugely for, you know, a whole day long podcast. Oh, I could talk about it forever. Um, and I'm an introvert. So, that's... <laughs> um, so, so step one, be aware of your thoughts and feelings. So when you have 
any sort of emotional response, it will show up in how you feel, uh, just generally, and, and emotion, all the ones we've talked about. It will show up in the types of thoughts you're having. So things like, oh, I'm never going to be good enough, or that person's such an idiot, or how am I going to get through this? Or, did, oh, you know, why didn't I think about that? What was going on? Or I'm never going to get through this to do. You know, you'll, there are a number of thoughts that will come, they will come up in your head. You know, nobody loves me. It's all going to be rubbish. Everything's going to be weird. It, it, they come up in your thoughts. But equally, mm. also, it, it, they will also appear in your body. So, and if we just use the word stress as the catch-all for the moment. So whenever you're kind of going, I feel stressed or, you know, I don't feel quite right. It's important to check in with your body because, as I said, each emotion has a physiological response and will show up in your body. So, and we'll all feel them differently. And this is what I mean about a real kind of deeper level of self awareness. And the best way to do this is just notice. Notice when you're feeling stressed and you say, I feel stressed. Try and unpick that and kind of figure out, okay, well, what emotion is it? But also really take, um, this is actually mindfulness. This is one aspect of mindfulness for people out there who hear this term band around. Mindfulness is actually just an, is, is like a focus on, uh, on anything other than just, just kind of getting caught up in your thoughts or, you know, just getting through the day and reacting to things. It's like focusing in on your body. So for me, I know I get really tense in my shoulders. I know if I get angry, my chest gets really, really tight. And I guess in my my behaviors, I know that I'm normally quite a happy, smiley, friendly person. I like people. I like helping people. When I'm not in a good place, people really annoy me. That's a mild way of describing it. So there's lots of signs to look out for. So the reasons about being, being aware of your thoughts and your feelings is the first case is so that you can spot those signs sooner so quite often people will know oh I'm not sleeping right or I'm not eating right or you know I can't focus on things or but when we're not sleeping or not focusing quite often that's quite far down the line of us being high this this whole point around your prefrontal cortex not working because your limbic system is 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 on, on overdrive it's called emotional hijack so it's almost like what are your signs that you've been emotionally hijacked and how can you spot them sooner so if you can get clearer what your signs are and they can be in any form either in your thoughts in your actions or or your thoughts yeah yeah like i said your emotions or your body okay so i I need to work out what are my symptoms i suppose that make me realize that okay i'm not feeling like i am at my best right now yeah so that's step one being aware yeah that's really good point though ollie as well I'm aware I'm not at my best. So there's two angles into this. One is, right, observe yourself. And, and actually, you know, when you are getting stressed or angry or upset or, or worried, almost try and stop and take a third person perspective and almost look at yourself and go, right, what's going on? What am I noticing? Um, so there's that side. But there's also, do you know what you look like at your best? Do you know what thoughts you have when you're at your best? Do you know what things are generally in place in your life that enable you to be at your best? You know, can you paint that picture? I guess most people are going, God, I haven't really thought about it. I don't know. I'm never at my best. What, what are you talking about? You're living in la-la land. You know, <laughs> no, It's always really crap. It's always really hard. Yeah? But actually, we don't focus on it. We don't. We are. There are moments, days, minutes, weeks, months, you know, maybe even just a moment in time when we will be at our best. And for me, it's really, and if you can't think of something right away, 
I would absolutely think about back in, in, in your past, when were you totally at your best? What were you doing? Who were you with? What environments were you with? How did you know you were at your best? How did that feel? Um, because when we know what we're at, we're, when we're at our best, we then know when we're not at our best. But equally, mm. if we could really break down and be forensic, I suppose, about what was going on that enabled us to be at our best at that time, we're going to start going, okay, so what's missing from my life right now? Sometimes it's just the, the two biggest things I hear people say is I was exercising more. So I was going for a run or going to the gym or just something like that. Or I protected time for me to do some thinking. Those feel to me, or and I'm as in control of my diary. Those are the two of the biggest things I hear people kind of say is when I was at my best, I just, I protected my Monday morning. Yeah. And when I got that, I was able to plan, you know? So, so yeah, sorry, I went off on one then because you talked about being at my best. And I think that's another great strategy to enable you to be aware when you're not yeah no absolutely and realizing when your emotions are in check and in control versus that situation when you have been as you put it emotionally hijacked which I like or when you just realize that it might not even just be about in control of your emotions it might just be I'm actually feeling relaxed content yeah feeling pleased with how I'm feeling right yeah this is how I'm feeling right now, you know. Um, actually, it's, um, it's quite a nice link to step two, actually, because step two is diffuse, don't deny uncomfortable emotions. Because that's the thing is, is a lot of these emotions we're talking about that we label as stress aren't that nice to feel. So the, so the big tip here, right? Put them all in a box and just forget they ever happened. That's what you're going to tell us, yes? Absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Just that's, that's the best <laughs> box. You're not feeling them. Just crack on and work harder and get stuff done. Um, no. Bingo, we're done here, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're rubbish to feel. And so we try not to feel them. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the other feelings are quite nice to feel. Now, you often hear people go, yeah, but you need a bit of stress to get you up in the morning, don't you? You, yeah yes yes but then I guess in an extreme for me you know actually being led by fear which is often it, it what it is I've got to get up because I've got to go and do this and I've got to go and do that and I've got to go and do this and I've got to do that. yes that sort of enables you to get stuff done but does it get stuff done in a sustainable way and in a healthy way mm. you know actually would it not to be driven by um this is going to sound a bit soppy and i'm sorry sorry i'm going to take us down this route but it's sort of an extreme version you know when you fall in love with someone you know you're driven by love aren't you you're driven by the love of that and you'll do anything for them that's motivating factor that means you don't sleep you want to go and you want to do anything you can actually it's as strong a force as you know as fear you know in the right circumstances you know you hear that those kind of cheesy phrases do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life um there is an element of truth in that if you love what you do you know you are motivated you are driven you can be motivated and driven by a, a positive happy emotion as much as a fear emotion yet we've sort of gone and gone yeah but you need fear don't you to kind of you know it's good I need to make these people feel afraid otherwise they're not going to do what they do you know and that's kind of a classic yes it works but is it sustainable I don't know mm. and you know and this is the point about it's sort of linking on to step four which is about managing your energy which I'll come on to but it, it's natural to make a link to that the science shows that when we feel positive and when I say positive I mean like that emotions like happiness calmness you know relaxed when we're in those states it enables our prefrontal cortex to work much more effectively and then we are much more creative we're much more dynamic we're much more 
thoughtful and rational. We're broader. We can deal with some of the setbacks better because we are, our thinking goes broader. So it's really important to try and encourage those emotions. So, yeah, mm. so I guess the link there to the diffuse uncomfortable emotions is that, yes, they feel rubbish to feel. And, yes, we most often suppress them, pretend they're not there, try and fight them, which, by the way, only intensifies them. We often have an emotional reaction to that emotion you know so you often in i think in buddhism they call it like the second arrow so you feel really like i think that scenario we talked about coming out of a meeting you feel really worried in a meeting because you don't really want to upset someone or you want to say something but you think people are going to think you're an idiot and who are you because it's a bit of a new idea so you don't say it because you're worried so the emotion stops you you come out and then you get really frustrated for being really worried uh, and then you've got that second emotion and then you're trying to push them all, uh, all all away and put them in that little box you talked about and it just makes them worse. So um, so, diffu- so this so diffusing is about knowing some strategies to be able to manage those emotions. And by the way, one of the easiest strategies, well, the best strategy for diffusing an emotion is to express it. You know, to, you know, if you need to cry, cry. If you need to punch someone, eh, don't punch someone, but find a way to express your anger. Um, yeah. and, but we can't do that, right? We live in a world where it's not acceptable just to burst into tears. It's not acceptable, obviously, to punch someone, but we still have these emotions and these impulses. Uh, but, but there are ways of being able to express it in a safe way. I often think uh, companies should invest in a punch bag. Yeah, real, real, absolutely believe this because it's about being able to get that out of your system. Mm. You know, a, a better situation is maybe knowing a friend that you can call who absolutely won't try and solve a problem for you, but will just give you the space to rant. If you need to have a rant and say all the things that are going on in your head, get it out of your system, say all the profanities and everything. Press it and label it, yeah. And I, I think, you know, it's knowing that that's available and taking action to do it because then that will free up your mind and your prefrontal cortex. It's just as simple as that, you know? And and the even simplest, which sounds so simple, it couldn't possibly work, um, is what you just said, label it. But label it um, not from a, not from a, oh, I feel so sad, oh, poor me kind of label, more from a third-person perspective. So, Steph, it looks like you're you're feeling worried. And just as simple as sort of being that third person, looking in, it, it won't completely change the world. It won't completely take the emotion away, but it will diffuse it enough to give you a bit of space to then go, okay, what do I need to go and do to manage this? Right, okay. It's like, okay, how do I manage this so that I can then think more clearly? So that's that's step two. Super, fantastic. Now the next one, I like the sound of. Ah, <laughs> yeah, check. Can you remember what it was? <laughs> Challenge and change. Oh, I love it. Very good. Yes. Challenge and change what you focus on. This, this is um, very much linked to the first one. So if you're aware, if you're aware what you're thinking and then and you're aware that that thought is often linked to when you're feeling worried. There's an element of being able to step outside it and kind of challenge it. So, again, there's some signs. Again, very simply, you notice that all you're focusing on is all the negatives, all the things that won't work, all the problems, all the weaknesses you've got, you know, some very simple things, which, I mean, to be honest, we're human beings and to an extent we're programmed to spot the negative. Again, it's a survival instinct. So, you know, back in our cavemen and women days, you know, we we were going to always remember the one snake, one poisonous snake on the one path other than the nine other paths that didn't have any poisonous snakes on because actually it's really important we know not to go down that path so fundamentally as humans we will be tuned in to spot the negative because it's about surviving 
And, and certainly in a, in a world where we're doing transformation, we're making big changes to, to the organization, to the structures of the business, there are plenty of things that can go wrong. And we, we teach ourselves, right? Oh, that's going to go wrong. That's a risk. That's, that's you know, worry, etc. And don't get me wrong, it's helpful, right? You know, I mean, my experience working in Tesco and working in retail, it's so fast-paced, you know, it's so intense, it's so reactionary, it is, and we were taught to focus on the problems and the negative. We've got to solve problems. We've got to solve problems quickly. You know, it's not just solve problems, we've got to solve them quickly and innovatively and greatly and take people with you at the same time and make sure everybody's okay and you balance all these things and have a home life and a balance and, ah, you know, so we do... Yeah, it's an industry where we're, we're taught to focus, but as a human being, we're in a culture where we're taught to. But if you can notice that that is all you're focusing on, it's a good sign that you're not in a good place. And actually, there, and I guess this links to being aware where you're focusing and being aware what your thoughts are, so then you can challenge those thoughts and change them. And sometimes it could just be as simple as a question. And I think this, these are some of the key tools, but it does start with awareness and a willingness to want to change it and a belief that you can change it. I think those are all the kind of things that enable this to happen. Mm. But if you can then challenge your thought process to from, oh my God, this has all gone wrong. They're going to think I'm an idiot. This is then going to have an impact on the bottom line, which means we're going to lose money, which means this, 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 and this. You know, Then that's going to take you into a spiral. But if at some point you can step outside it and ask a question like, what's good about this really simple what's good about this your brain will search for the answer and it might be but you know what what's good about this is look this didn't happen you know the world didn't end I mean that's extreme isn't it but actually what's good about this is I learned that this person's not going to engage in that way so I need to slightly change my approach to that it's just simple questions what did I learn from this what's good about this how can I use this? How can I use this? It's such a great question. Great, I call these focus shifting questions. You know, what? how can I use this? But there's a great book by a guy called Viktor Frankl, who was a, mm. he was a psychologist and he was a prisoner of war uh, in one of the Nazi concentration camps. And he was watching people and he looked at why did people, there were some people who escaped and there were some people who survived. And he noticed the people who survived or escaped did one very special thing, which was they said, how can I use this? How can I put a meaning to this? And people would answer that by, I must get out of this so that I can tell my children all about this and make sure this never happens again. I must make something positive come out of this experience. And you see this all the time. And these are extreme circumstances, but it works on a, a more surface and smaller level. But some of the tragedies you see in the news of people losing children and, and awful things happening um, you often see those people then go on and set up charities or trusts because they go, what can I do? How can I use this? How can I how can I do something with this that makes it meaningful and powerful and, and fulfilling out of something so horrendous and horrible? And and I think that's a really powerful strategy in our day to day. You know, how can I use this? What can I do with this? And it shifts your it shifts your focus. And I guess changing the kind of mood slightly, you know, there's even just who can help, who can help me in this? What can I do? What have I got? You know, um, and they're quite hard questions to bring about when you're in a negative state, but, but they're there and they're possible. And I think that's a very simple way to shift your focus of where your, yeah, where your mind's going. So I suppose, you know, there, there are lots of great questions there, 
what it would make sense to, for me to suggest is to, to write those down when you're in a good place so that you can reference them back when you're not quite in such a good place and you don't have that free-flowing thought that could conjure up those questions out of nowhere but you actually have them down written down so you can you can go back and and cross-reference and you think you know how can I use this etc to help bring you out yeah and and to be honest don't beat yourself up if it doesn't happen the first time I think we have we're really hard on ourselves as adults that we try something for the first time and go well I can't do that I tried meditating can't do it tried this tried asking that question didn't work and I, and I, I kind of want to say, it's, you know, it's all about habits. So quite often, this linking back to that self-awareness, we can get into, so like we can get into bad habits of smoking or drinking or eating too much or not exercising, we can get into habits that are really unhelpful in terms of our reactions to things and our thought processes. So sometimes your reaction and thought processes are happening habitually. You're not, almost not in control of it. It's just sort of like a cycle. It's like that's happened, switch the switch bang, here's the little cycle that happens. Um, and that, that's a habit. So a lot of the times it's about practice, 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 and changing and creating new habits. Again, you may have heard the term neuroplasticity. Our brains are elastic and they will change in relation to what we enable them to change. So, you know, if you want to give up smoking and you want to start exercising, and you want to create new habits, you start doing something regularly. It's the same with trying to change your reaction, trying to change the way you behave. And it's like being patient with yourself. You know, a lot of this is really close to my heart. I, I, I'm, I, I was and still have to an extent um, a lot of anxiety. A lot of I'm quite an anxious person. You know, a big worrier actually. And my name when I was younger, called to me by my friends and family, was Stress Ed Steph. You know, so I know. You know, I know kind of uh, what it feels like. I also know I was a ridiculously negative person. Would focus on all the things that I was rubbish at, all the bad things. I would catastrophize. I'm not saying all of that's completely gone, but what I am saying now is because I've practiced and practiced and practiced it's now really automatic so it's really funny when I'm talking to my mum she's very negative and I can hear it on our phone conversations she'll say oh it's rubbish and blah, blah, blah. and my automatic reaction without me ever having to think about it is yeah but what's good about it raining mum because actually it means that maybe you can stay in or maybe the garden's getting water you know my autumn it's automatic now so I guess my personal experience of this is it's about habit changing um, but I also know that it's doable for, for everybody. Yeah, and knowing you like I do, Steph, I have to be honest, I I would have had no idea that, you know, you're, you're such a bubbly and optimistic person. I'd have had no idea that was the case, to be honest. So, you know, that you are, you are living proof that, that habits can change things then. Yeah, thanks, Ollie. Yeah, I, um, that's really nice to hear. And, and it's nice because I know I feel like I've changed. When we talk about resilience, I literally am not the most naturally resilient person. But I, you know, working in Tesco is not that easy for a very emotional, sensitive, <laughs> not naturally resilient person. And I think and I like, it's not not the most uh, comfortable place, I imagine. <laughs> life's not that easy either. And I guess I've got this determination that I want to enjoy life, and therefore I was like, well, I need to sort this out. Then I need to figure out how to work this out. So thank you for that that, that your comments and observations, because yeah, I'd say I have worked hard. But I think that like you say. I'm not just selling these five steps as a, come on, this is my model and this is great. Spend loads of money with me and I'll make you better in five days. I'm saying, actually, these fundamentally helped me and I see them helping my coaching clients too. That's awesome. So on to step four, managing your energy, not your time. That sounds good. Again, there's a link and there's that link with this is whole, this is all 
I guess, related to what I was saying about, I don't like calling them positive emotions, but want of a better word, you know, the emotions like being relaxed and calm and happy uh, broadens out your thinking. This is very much along that kind of line in terms of actually how do we create those emotions more? How do we more on control of those and that might be some of the management techniques that we've been talking about in, in the industry. They're called like acceptance and change techniques, you know, accepting the emotion and trying to change things. But equally, um, there's a bit about how do you put some longer term foundations in to enable you to be at your best and have the energy? Because mo- a lot of the times you'll hear people go, I just haven't got time to do that. I haven't got time to do this. I haven't got time for that. I haven't got time. I haven't got time. La, 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 la. You know, just, but actually, quite often, I think it's we don't have the energy. So when you look at what you're saying, I don't have time to do, it might be something, well, it might be something you don't see as important. And that sounds really harsh, but I think we always find the time for the things that are important and we want to prioritize, but we go, I haven't got time because we're kidding ourselves. But equally, I think sometimes it's about that meeting is going to be really hard and that person is going to be hard to talk to. So we go, I haven't got time, but basically we haven't got the energy or it feels like hard work. There's a task you ought to do, some thinking that you've got to do to solve a problem, to put in a new strategy, to come up with some innovative ideas. But but you're you're like, I haven't got time to be able to fit that in. But mainly it's like I just don't have the energy. Um, and I guess it, it links back to that. Um, you know, we've only got 12, 12. I'm sorry, I've just cut the days in half. We've only got, <laughs> only got 24 hours in any day. That's not going away, right? That is not going away. That is a long line. Yep. We've only got 24 hours and you can't expand that. You know, the only way you can get more hours is to sleep less. And I absolutely wouldn't advocate that. Um, even if you kind of say some people do it, there's a big link between lack of sleep and uh, dementia in, in old age. There's a, there's a great book by Matthew Walker about sleep. Um, fascinating. Um, it'll make you see a whole different view on on sleep and the importance of sleep anyway that's a whole other topic wow okay yeah it is is related to managing energy because actually do you ever notice that sometimes you can get more done in an hour than you can in a whole day and and that is down to your energy not because you had loads more time so for me it's about prioritizing which is often what we don't do for whatever reason is prioritizing you and your emotional needs or energy needs so what makes what what helps give you energy rather than drain your energy and it might it might be the fundamentals and the basics like sleep or eating or exercise but it might be something more personal unique to you you know you get more energy when you've spent quite a bit of time by yourself because actually you've got introverted energy being around people is quite draining you need a bit of time for yourself it might be actually you're quite an organized person and actually it's really draining when things are chaotic and you need an element of being able to organize it might be actually you get real a lot of joy from being around your children and that gives you loads of energy so and you haven't done that for a while it might just be you love walking I mean, whatever it is this is what i mean it's really important you understand it's links to that question at the beginning. What was in place when you were at your best? Again, the science shows that working longer and harder thing is okay as a short-term thing. We all have to do it. We always have to dig in every so often, but it's not a sustainable long-term strategy. This I'll just get through this. I'll just work longer and longer and harder and harder. Yeah, it's knowing how to be your best self, really, isn't it? And being familiar with, with, with you when things are going well. Yes, 
Yeah, totally. But but yeah, knowing what those things are um, and prioritizing them, that's the, that's the rub is that we don't prioritize them. So many of us put me at the bottom of the list. You know, it's like wife, husband, children, work, work colleagues, and then me if I've got time. For me, it's the wrong way around. And it might feel counterintuitive and it might feel really selfish and it often does. But if you're not looking, it's the whole one, put your own oxygen mask on before helping others on a plane. It's that kind of thing. You know, if you're not breathing and alive, you can't help the person next to you, right? So, you know, it's similarly, if you're not at your best, then you kind of go, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to leave work early because I'm going to let people down. I would argue you let people down more if you're not at your best. I mean, I really truly believe it. I coach for a living and people tell me some of the most deepest, darkest personal things. If I'm not at my best, I am letting them down. If I'm not responding in the most appropriate, correct way where I have to be really present and really on it. And it's so important. I think it's so important in any relationship with anybody at work that you're there and present and with it. Mm. you know I'm letting that person down I'm not serving them as best but in the moment we don't have those thoughts I've just got to crack through and I've just got to crack on and I've just got to make it through so for me the biggest work is finding out what's stopping you prioritize you and working on that whether that's you don't feel important whether that's you know actually I just don't know how whether it's I just don't know what it is that I need you know there's a number of things that stop you prioritizing it but you've got to be honest with yourself around what that what that is so that's good so that's helping to manage energy and true priorities as well, rather than just trying to manage your time. What's the final step, Steph? Step number five is build and develop a support network. Now, people talk about building a support network all the time. Yeah, you can't do this alone. You've got to have people around you. But I don't think anyone really gets really explicit. Very few people get really explicit around, well, what do you mean by that? And who should I have in my support network? So um, here's the the magic number five again. I've kind of said in terms of resilience and being resilient and managing stress, there are five key roles, I think, that uh, help people the most. And so it's important to look for people with these qualities. Now, one person might have all of these qualities or more than one of them, and that's fine. Uh, But I do think there's a little bit, and this will tap away at you, oh my God, that means I've got to ask for help, you know, kind of uh, thoughts in your mind. But absolutely, it can massively help manage some of these emotions. So the first one is the safe ear. And what I mean by that is that person I talked about earlier, that person you can just ring up, you've pre kind of contracted with almost, that's a formal phrase, isn't it? Pre-asked them, look, you know, there's going to be times when I'm, really annoyed can I call you and just rant yeah so that's you know safe ear is number one or can I call you and just cry at you I don't need you to solve a problem can I just express express this so that's a safe ear yep it's called safe ear because it's about you know you're not judged and you can just express it the second one is about the rational thinker so sometimes you know whilst you understand the theory about oh I know my rational brain's not in place and I've got to manage my emotions something that's really hard to do for yourself so it's like who in your network is like got loads of common sense and loads of rational and is actually not very emotional and will really start pushing you to think rationally so the rational person okay who is the reassurer so the reassurer for me is knowing someone who has been in the same position or is in the same position as you so one of the other themes and traits I see so often is people have to get feel like they have to get through this on their own and they're a failure if they don't talk to or ask for help that's so rife across all of the mental health issues that we talk about and people say you just talk about it ask for help 
And whilst you think, oh, how on earth could talking help? I can't see it. There's still stuff that's, that stops us doing that. But I think there is something very powerful when you suddenly go, oh, it's not just me. You feel like this too. Mm. So it's like, who is doing the same sort of thing? You know, if you're in retail and you're a director, who's a director in another retailer that you could talk to or who's a re- director in the same retailer who you can talk to who is it that can go yeah i'm having those same problems god that's a nightmare isn't it? you know actually think oh yeah i'm not alone it's not just me i'm not just some weirdo so there's the reassurer then linking to step four there's the energy giver this is another way to watch where you're getting your energy from there are going to be people in your life both at home and at work that is hard work to be around that drains you there's a bit of a mood hoover that I love the term mood hoover. <laughs> it's quite an old term. I do love it. Um, but it's like, think about who, who drains you and therefore how much time are you spending with those people? It's almost like doing a bit of a, a time audit. Who am I spending my time with and what am I getting from that? And mm. it's not about being selfish going, well, what can I get from people? It's just being observant around who drains your energy and who gives you energy. So there will be people around you who it's always fun to be around. You always laugh a lot or they're really inspiring or they're really enthusiastic and it's just a joy to be around them. You will have both types of people and it's almost like how do you be more conscious around who you spend time with and when you spend time with those people? So that's, you know, so so who gives you energy? Then then the fifth point, again, this is probably another podcast in its entirety, so I will try and be brief around it. This is about who can you delegate to but but about your energy as well. So I'm a big believer, I think I said this at the very beginning, that we all have our own set of unique natural strengths. I use a tool called Strengthscope that helps people identify these unique natural strengths. So they're not necessarily the things that you're good at. They're the things that come naturally to you. And therefore, they don't require much energy to do because you love mm. them and they're really easy. Um, but there's also equally on the other side of things, stuff that doesn't come easily to you, drains you to do. Um, you might have got good at it because you've practiced at it, but actually it saps you of energy. And so the, the principle behind the idea of who do you delegate to, and you might not be in a position where you delegate, but it sounds like most of your audience would be. There will be things on your list that are in your job that you have to do, but that drain you. And, and my challenge to you would be, look at those things and which are the things that drain you? And could somebody else do that? You know, so actually maybe admin is not your most favorite thing. You hate it. You love being around people and relationships, but doing the admin, which often is quite important because it might be people's reviews or performance reviews, or even just an important letter to somebody who's been off sick. I don't know. Mm. You know, there might be some stuff that, you know, who do you trust? Who would love that stuff? And they're getting energy from ultimately, you know, I think teams would be great if they're made up of not all these people trying to be rounded and great at everything but people who are playing to their natural strengths that they get energy from so that that there are everyone's sort of playing to their strengths but everything's being covered Mm, a balanced team rather than just a bunch of mini me's almost running around all doing the same thing absolutely but from a strengths perspective you know from a yeah how do we make sure we know what people's strengths are that they love to do and that come naturally to them and help them play to it so it's almost like again it's, it's that really zoning in on you uh really analyzing who am i what you know when we talk about self-awareness I, I think it's deeper and more complex than than we first say when we say self-awareness so those are my five those are my five roles so the five roles that sit inside a support network that you'd want to build and develop yes i've got a safe ear yeah a rational thinker yeah a reassurer yeah an energy giver and someone to delegate to. Yes. 
or a whole selection of people to delegate to perhaps depending on what it is right Absolutely. but that's all about understanding your 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 strengths and the things that really do take a bit more energy to to put out you delegate them off to someone yeah in an ideal world yeah in an ideal world this has been so valuable there's been so much we've gone into and you know, I'm, I'm sure if, if you're listening, I'm sure there has been something here that you can take away either straight away now or remember this this podcast is available to you whenever you want it. So if you suddenly feel yourself feeling a little bit stressed right in the future, then come back and listen back to this one again. You can get all of those those tips straight back into your uh, into your ears whenever you want. Now, Steph, I think we mentioned there was a little something extra to help someone teach resilience to themselves. Yeah. So if your listeners uh, want to do this, I have actually got a nice, very colourful, very easy to read, uh, simple brochure article that um, I wrote based on one of my clients and how they applied these five steps to their problems at work and and how they helped them and so that really it it goes through explaining the five steps again in brief and how this person used them and so that's in a downloadable form that uh, is called teach yourself resilience how to stay calm in a changing and challenging world yeah and that's available i'll be delighted for you to um have that so if you'd like a copy of that i will make sure you can get that download that pdf download for free over on the show notes page which today are going to be obandco.uk slash 58 so you can head over and get that that whole workbook about teaching yourself resilience steph thank you so much that's so kind and if someone is ultra keen to get in contact with you and i by the way i thoroughly recommend if if you've enjoyed today you must give steph a call or an email because She's fantastic and she will help you out a whole bunch. But Steph, how can someone get in contact with you? What's the best way? Thanks, Ollie. I'm smiling at the moment. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I love your enthusiasm. Thank you. Um, So, uh, yes, the best way to get in touch with me, I'm happy for you to contact me through any medium, really. Uh, So my email is steph, S-T-E-P-H, at thepositiveelement.com. And that's all three words, as you would say and spell them, but put together thepositiveelement.com longest email address in the world ever sorry so steph at thepositiveelement.com yeah all of these details are on um the back of my article so if you download that then uh you can get that too phone number is on there um i'm on linkedin as steph tranter i'm on twitter although i don't use twitter very much i'm on facebook the positive element and i am also on uh, instagram as steph tranter so I'm all over it, everybody. <laughs> so whichever is your favourite social channel or drop an email over to Steph and I'll put all of those links on the show notes page along, as I say, with that downloadable workbook all about teaching yourself resilience. So you can find that obandco.uk slash 58. Steph, this has been a total blast and you have added so much value. So I want to just say right from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure to, to dive into this with you. You're welcome, Ollie. I've thoroughly enjoyed it too. So I do hope that you enjoyed that episode. Steph was so generous there with all of the advice and the tips to help us build more emotional resilience and to help us overcome 
the challenges that the busy world presents us with that we sometimes bucket in and just call stress, right? We need to better understand those emotions and then we can go through those five steps to help us overcome them and be our best self. So in the episode, of course, Steph did mention that she is giving away a workbook for you, a guide to help teach yourself resilience. And it's a really excellent guide. I do encourage you to get your hands on this one. So I'm going to put the download link so it can get sent directly to your email address over on the show notes page for today. Okay, so what you need to do is you need to go to obandco.uk slash 58. obandco.uk slash 58. And there you will see a form where you can fill it in, name and email address, that's all you need, and that will get delivered straight through to your inbox, totally free. And I just want to thank Steph for, for, for giving that to you because it's really very generous. You can also sign up for my retail transformation briefings as well, which give you the latest retail transformation news headlines, insight and ideas directly to your inbox every single week. And do remember to subscribe to the podcast if you've enjoyed this episode so that you can continue to get a weekly dose of retail transformation. So thank you for listening. Do remember to check out that free download that Steph has given us to help teach yourself resilience. I think you're going to love it. And I will catch you in the next episode of the Retail Transformation Show coming at you very soon. Bye for now.